to another episode of Parminio. Horse and rider, two become one, achieving the dream to the beat of the drum. And of course, the horse and the rider that we refer to uh, as a symbol and a metaphor is the chief of staff and their partner coming together in a symbiotic relationship where we become the one, achieving the dream together as the one. Ultimately, what we want to do is get, is develop a deep, intimate, trusting relationship with our partners as the chief of staff, where we operate as a symbiotic unit, just like the horse and the rider. We talked about the relationship between the horse and the rider on a podcast where we talked about developing trust called Horse and Rider. And on that podcast, we talked about the symbiotic relationship that exists between the horse and the rider, where they can read each other's body language. They can feel and sense what each other is doing. They can sense their partner's confidence or lack of confidence. Ultimately, what we want to do as the chief of staff is become that one. Arrive at a place where we have a deep trust, a deep emotional intimacy, one that's psychologically safe, where we can express ourselves to each other, where we can anticipate our partner's needs fully, where we can understand how they like communications and what kind of communications they don't like, what their pet peeves are, what is most important to them in achieving their vision and mission, what objectives uh, should we be working on, what needs to be filtered out, in terms of people bringing things to them and how can you function in that role to to help filter things out and keep things moving so we're working on the most important things what are their values and how do you embody those to be reinforced and replicated in the organization all of these are skills that we can learn and master um, so that we can develop a truly symbiotic relationship one that has a deep profound sense of intimacy and trust between the horse and the rider the chief of staff and their partner and well how do we, how do we go about doing that we've talked about methodologies to do that on other podcasts and we're going to talk about one specifically on this podcast but real quick what are what are some of the other methodologies number one i have shadowing and observation especially i mean if i'm in a new in the role i can shadow my partner in an iterative process, I can observe them so I can understand their behaviors and what the, how to anticipate what they want. Number two, we have the agenda of the CEO. If I have a deep understanding, intimate sense of their agenda, which we can say is their vision, their values, what's important to them, their objectives and their measures, and I have a really deep understanding of that so it, I can fully articulate it um, to anybody in the organization, if I articulated it back to my partner, they would say, yeah, that's it. That makes sense. You got it. Certainly, I'm going to be able to function more successfully in the role. Number three, we had the Horse and Rider podcast. Where we talked about how did you develop a trusting relationship talk, using the three dimensions of trust. Cognitive, which is performance and consistency. Effective trust, which is 
My partner believes I truly want the best for them. My intentions are pure. And number three, behavioral. Behavioral has to do with actions and behaviors, mainly using the body. Facial language, body expressions, hand gesticulations. What we're going to talk about on this podcast is what I call a superpower. And it's how to be fully present, attentive, and mindful with our partners to develop a deep bonded attachment between two people. And you can use this methodology, these skills, not just with your partner, with anybody, uh, and your other work colleagues, your partner, your, your husband, your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it may be, um, family members, it does not matter. If you take the time to develop skills, and we're gonna define what this means, to be fully present, attentive and mindful in all your interactions with your partner, with other people in the organization, you're gonna see exactly how you can take this and use it to develop profoundly deep relationships. Okay, so first of all, we're gonna define what it means to be present, attentive and mindful in your interactions and communications with other people. Second, we're gonna talk about the science and physiology of the body and how one uses the body to do that. And then third, we're gonna talk about how specifically you act and behave with your body so that you become fully present, mindful, and attentive with other people. And when other people are speaking to you, if you do this and you take the time to master this, you know what they're gonna feel? Heard, accepted, understood special, attached, bonded to you. And that's what this can do. So we're gonna focus now, we're gonna get into what it means to be present, attentive, and mindful using the body. All right, so let's get into the podcast here. First of all, let's, let's give a definition of what it means to be present, attentive, and mindful. We're gonna bring out a couple definitions from some scholars who studied this topic and here's here's the first one we can say that it's paying attention in a particular way on purpose in the present moment non-judgmentally and that's from Kabat-Zahn some research done in 94 keywords there are paying attention in a particular purposeful way uh, in a non-judgmental so that's what I'm trying to convey to the other person um, and through my body language that I'm doing this. A second definition is I'm bringing one's complete attention. It means I'm bringing my complete attention to the present experience on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. That's from Marlowe and Chris Deller in 99. So if we think about these two definitions of what it means to be uh, present, mindful and attentive. I want to be purposeful, purposefully attentive. I want to be fully focused on the present moment, non-judgmental. So I want my person that I'm communicating with, listening to or speaking to, they will feel that I'm very attentive to them. I'm, they've, I've, they've got my focus. I'm not judgmental. I'm not giving them facial um, expressions of disgust or disdain or I'm not cringing when they're talking. It's non-judgmental so they can feel that they can express what they want 
and I'm fully into that present experience. All right, so that's some two definitions of what it means to be present, mindful, and attentive. If, in fact, I want to be present and mindful and attentive, I want to signal to the other person that I am those things, of course. I want to be open in my body language and accessible to them. And I can start with my body to do that, how my body is open, it's not crossed, it's open to the other person. My legs aren't crossed, my arms aren't crossed, it's open and accessible. That signals to another person, I'm not closed off. Number two, I can use my face and my head in terms of signaling to another person, I'm cooperative, I'm open, I'm accessible. I'm looking in their direction, my face is pointing towards them, my eyes are the third part, I'm extending eye contact with them. And then I'm gonna be using various body movements as I do this. So we're gonna get into what it means to be open and accessible um, in the third part of this. But let's get into the physiology of why we use the body and why it's so important. Well, we know from research, and you can look at various research on body language, that um, body language is about 80 to 93% of what's communicated to other people. Verbal is a much, what we say is a much smaller part of the whole. It's obviously everything's got to be congruent. If my body language is open and accessible and I'm swearing at you, it's not going to be congruent and it's going to cause confusion. But to have a effective message and to be an effective communicator, my body is congruent with what I'm saying, right? Anyways, body language is very powerful. If it's 80 to 93% of what's communicated and directed at somebody else, it's a powerful thing. And all you have to do is think about it and you're, you're gonna speak to somebody and they turn around and they start cringing or they have a look of disdain or disgust as you start to speak. Do you feel comfortable in expressing yourself fully the way you want? Now, you're probably going to get defensive in some way or form. You're probably going to feel threatened or slighted by that person. That's what happens. So you can see right off the bat, the other person doesn't have to say a lot um, for you to be put off in such a way that it's going to impact what you want to express to the other person. Um, so the other factor that is important is, of course, um, verbal communication is much more in its infant stage as compared to body language. Look at, look at different resources. Some people say uh, verbal communication was kind of started in some way, shape, or form 250,000, 300,000 years ago. Um, we have estimates, of course, no one knows quite for sure. But human beings and our predecessors have been around for millions of years. So prior to the 250,000 years ago or some kind of rudimentary um, communication with grunts, <laughs> pointing started, how did people communicate? Well, they pointed, they looked at each other, they made growls, they smiled, they pointed at things, right? So. Obviously, in our evolutionary um, forebears, body language has evolved through the years, all the millions of years. There's even things called mirror neurons, which means that people can predict what other people will do with their bodies before the other person does it or completes the movement. 
Um, so we're hardwired to read and understand other people's body language. It signals and communicates things to us. So if we want to be an effective communicator, we must combine all of our bodily movements with our spoken word in the tone of our voice. Okay, so body language is super important. What we want to do with our body is, of course, be present, mindful, and attentive. So how do we do that? Well, a couple of other things just to understand about body language and eye contact and extended eye contact, which we really want to understand because it helps us to understand why if you're fully present, mindful, and attentive with another person, open and accessible, extended eye contact when listening and speaking, why it's so powerful. A couple of other things here. First of all, um, if I engage in extended eye contact with somebody and I can do it for 30 to 60 seconds or longer, the research on that will tell us that our bodies, mine and the other person that I'm communicating with, I'm listening to, as long as I do it in, in extended eye contact the right way, which I'm going to explain what it is, our bodies will release oxytocin. And if you know what oxytocin is, some people call it the love chemical. Not really a love chemical, it's more of a bonding and attachment neurotransmitter that when it's released, we feel more connected and bonded with the other person, more sense of trust. When a mother gives birth to a child, for example, um, her body is flooded with oxytocin. When a baby breastfeeds on its mother's breast, oxytocin is released in the mother. That increases the bonding between parent and child. So we know oxytocin is really powerful at building bonds, safe, trusting bonds. So think about it. If I am engaging with my partner, my boss, or anybody else within the organization or my, my partner in life, and I do this the right way, extended eye contact, my body's the right way, I'm, which again, I'm gonna explain what that looks like and how it works. If they release oxytocin in their body because I'm listening and using extended eye contact, and so do I, both of us will feel more trusting with each other. And that's how we build, one way that we build, you know, trusting, deep, trusting and attached, bonded relationships. All right, another thing that happens if I engage in extended eye contact with somebody 30 to 60 seconds or longer and I do it the right way is the body can release a chemical called phenylethylamine, which is a precursor to the body releasing adrenals, epinephrine, for example. So if you're engaging in extended eye contact, you're fully present, attentive, and mindful with your person that you're communicating with and they release adrenals into their body while they're releasing oxytocin they feel they feel good right excited because you're listening to them this is one of the reasons that people can feel special if you're really good at doing this the third thing that happens um, when you express or show interest in somebody through extended eye contact is that your pupils dilate um, and people that have dilated pupils are more attractive. If you look at a set of 
of eyes, one has constricted pupils, one that are dilated, the dilated ones are more attractive. So if I'm listening to you attentively and you see this, and you don't have to be consciously aware of it, research shows that, you will pick it up and you will sense my interest, I will be more attractive to you. So three things, oxytocin can be released from extended eye contact, phenylethylamine can be released, which will help to stimulate adrenals and epinephrine being released into the body, and I am more attractive to you because my pupils are dilated. You feel heard and listened to and accepted, and you can express yourself in a safe way if I'm doing this, and of course, in an open and accessible manner, non-judgmentally. It's not the easiest thing to do. We're gonna uh, talk about why, but if you can do this, and you can be fully present, mindful, and attentive in speaking to your partner, to other work colleagues, um, to your family members, whoever it may be, your kids, your lover, your partner, your husband, you can forge ever deeper relationships. That's why I call this a superpower. Now the thing about it is that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with extended eye contact when they're listening and speaking to other people. It's uncomfortable for them. Um, and so you have to practice doing it. The other thing is when you're speaking and engaging in extended eye contact, it can take up to 60% more cognition, more energy in your brain to do it. So if you haven't trained yourself to speak and maintain eye contact with somebody, it can be hard to do. So you wanna practice it. Okay, so that's the physiological and scientific reasons which power this and which makes it so powerful. And interesting enough, people used to talk about Bill Clinton, the former president, that he had this magical presence. And when people would speak to him, especially in person, they felt special and listened to him. You hear about all these people that would say this. And if you've watched him speak, you can see why he's really, really good at what I'm describing. He's a, a model for this. Okay, so let's get into what is it, what does your body look like, your facial language look like when you're doing this, um, um, and, and talk about that a little bit. So first of all, <clears throat> if I first I use my body, then my face and my head, then I, my eyes to be present, mindful, and attentive with another person. So my body's open and accessible, it's not crossed, my legs aren't crossed, my arms aren't crossed, my palms may be open, may be face up, which signals a cooperation or submission. I have a soft, accessible face. It's not frowning, I'm not cringing, I'm not making a look of disdain or disgust. It's positive. I'm using my head, I'm facing you, and as you're speaking, if I'm listening, I may be nodding my head to show you that I'm listening. I may tilt my head to the left or the right to expose my neck. Exposing the neck is a sign of cooperation or submission. I may raise my eyebrows as I'm listening. I may, from time to time, express a smile. It's called a Duchenne smile, where both, both sides of the lips are slightly up. My uh, cheeks are lifted and I have some slight crinkling around the eyes, some slight wrinkling around the eyes as I do it. You know, if you pass a colleague in the hallway at work and you both give that, that smile like that to each other, it's just one of a, a nicety. You're expressing 
um, some genuineness. You're you're expressing that you're open. You're not frowning at them in any way. You're not a look of anger. You're approachable when you do a Duchesne smile. So as I'm listening to you and I am maintaining extended eye contact, I'm going to talk about that just a little bit more here. As I'm listening to you and maintaining extended eye contact, my body is moving at a nice pace. Not too fast, not too slow. If it's too slow, you'll feel that I'm staring at you, right? If it's too fast, I'll make you feel anxious. So I have to practice this and pace myself. And as I'm looking into your eyes, you're speaking, and I'm nodding my head, um, occasional Duchesne smiles. I might rephrase something that you're saying as you're speaking to, again, show you that you're being listened to and heard. And as I'm doing this, I'm doing the complete bodily movements. My body's open, my face is open and accepting, I'm nodding my head, I'm engaging in extended eye contact as you speak. Now, if I'm engaging and I'm maintaining eye contact and you're looking away frequently, I may match you a little bit and I look away here and there, but I'll maintain a greater sense of overall eye contact. Some people aren't comfortable doing it, and so I wanna help build you up to, make, to be more comfortable with me to do it. Some people I've met will do this for an extended period of time, which is great. One of the things, if you do it right, you will feel many times after you've done it, and I know I've done it and I felt this, like a warm sensation coming over my body. And most likely that's the release of oxytocin and the phenylethylamine, which is stimulating adrenals. Your body warms up and you feel good. And I've done this with people and, and people after the conversations where I maintain, I was really present, mindful, and attentive. People thanked me for listening to them. They were very effusive and expressive. Thank you. Just like that. So you can, you can usually feel when you've had a good interaction, you've done it right. Now, some people won't maintain extended eye contact. You have to build it up, like I said. Um, so that's kind of how you, best to describe it. Um, one of the things, just as an FYI, is we do teach uh, students this skill. We use a series of videos, we have them shoot videos, we coach them through it, we have them watch videos which, which have a benchmark in terms of how we want to do this, and then we, we do some coaching and modeling over time um, to get better at it. A real simple way if you want to practice this is you can use a video camera or you can use a mirror. And a good way to do it with a mirror is draw a face on the mirror with eyes and practice looking into it and as if they're speaking to you and practice speaking back to it and maintaining eye contact. It gets you used to doing it and, and ultimately if it becomes second nature, it's, it just becomes who you are and what you do all the time. Now, if you think about a lot of meetings and conferences and things like that in organizations, how many times are people in those meetings really present, mindful, and attentive? And you think about on usually it's pretty rare. Some people do it, but not a lot. If you can do this, test it out and try it, and you'll see the difference that it makes in other people and how good especially they feel. Um, but anyways, we do teach it as a skill. If you're interested in learning how to do it, 
um, send me an email, glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at parmenio.co, or just go to parmenio.co, our website, and contact us using the contact form. We'll get back to you and how we can work with you to master this skill. It's a superpower. Um, I can assure you of that. All right, so here we are, just kind of wrapping things up. What we want to do is be fully present, mindful, and attentive. And we can do that using our body to be open and accessible, using our, our face and our head to show the other person that I'm open, I'm listening to them, I'm accepting, I'm cooperative, I'm submissive. Then I use my eyes to maintain extended eye contact for 30, 60 seconds or longer. Um, you know, you gotta talk about how to do it. You gotta build some people up. And if I do this successfully, um, that person is likely to release oxytocin in their body which helps to form a deeper bonded trust between two people. Their, their body's likely to release phenothalamine, which increases their sense of excitement, and pupils dilate. Interesting thing to note on pupil dilation, if you're in a darkened room, pupils dilate because they need to see better because it's dark. One of the reasons why a lot of people like to go on candlelit dinners for romantic dates because you're looking at each other and you're both have dilated pupils and you're interested in each other it's one of the factors that comes into dating um, so anyways what we want to do here is use this superpower so the horse and rider the two become can become the one and ultimately we can achieve our dream together marching to the beat of our drum all right, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Parminio. Mm -hmm.